0: Hi everyone, Josh and Ryan here, and welcome back to the 2% podcast. Research shows if you put a hundred random people in a room, somewhere amongst them, there'll be just two truly incredible, inspirational people who are living their lives to the fullest. In this podcast, we bring those exact people to you, week in, week out. 2% of a day is just half an hour, so thank you for taking 2% of your day. To be educated and inspired by joining us on our journey as we learn the secrets routines and dreams of the two percenters all right welcome back everyone to the two percent podcast excited today to be joined by Rajil Arora how are you doing Rajil good to see
1: you I'm doing perfectly well and I'm looking forward to this wonderful conversation here
0: excited excited yeah so to pretext this for, for the listeners, this is going to be a bit of a different, um, almost whistle stop interview. You know, we normally do a chat that's then split into two halves, but our second half is going to be a bit different. So the first half, normal kind of interview style, finding out about 2%, finding about what you're up to. And the second part is going to be a condensed version of a well-being workshop. So watch out for that as well. But diving straight in, Rigel, just give us a, a kind of two minute bio, I suppose, of, of yourself, kind of who you are and then uh, set the same for what we're going to talk about today as well.
1: Perfect. So first of all, I'm extremely grateful to you for having me here. So to give you a quick bio about myself, professionally, I'm working with Ernst & Young EY in digital and technology consulting. So basically I help clients in end-to-end technology consulting, involving all kinds of technologies like cloud computing, augmented reality, internet of things, etc. That's what I do professionally. Personally, I am really passionate about digital well-being. So what's happening nowadays, or generally is that a lot of us are spending tons of times online and on our screens. So what I talk about is having that balance, which is digital well-being. So I, I do a lot of workshops, I do a lot of personal mentorship around digital well-being. I've done more than 80, 90-plus workshops across leading colleges in the country, and platforms like TEDx, international platforms. And I also work a lot around mental health. So this is what I my brief profile is.
0: Yeah, awesome. No, thank you so much for that. So I'm going to start off by by just asking a little bit more about your work with EY. And I guess asking, what came first with you? Was it the the passion for technology and and transformation and you know the transformative power that tech has that led to working with EY? Um, or was it that personal kind of digital wellbeing, um, story and passion, which kind of came first? And I guess there's also a question about finding meaning and finding passion within your work there as well. So I'll talk to that a little bit.
1: Correct. Correct. So, uh, first, uh, my passion for technology came. So coming from an engineering background, I was always fascinated by technology. Plus I used to read a lot about how these emerging technologies like internet of things, cloud computing, Uh, artificial intelligence are transforming industries, transforming businesses, transforming our personal lives, transforming healthcare and across and touching across every lives. So I was always, I always wanted to do something along those lines. So that is how I got passionate about tech, seeing those use cases and how it is impacting us. And also I used to read up a lot which made me more interested in this. So that's how my passion for tech came during my college times Mm -hmm. and a little bit before my pre-college times, I would say. So that's how my passion for tech came.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, coming to uh, that aspect, so that was about tech, but I was also interested a lot in consulting. So since I'm working in technology consulting, So why I was interested in consulting was because every day is a new day. You have a lot of challenges every day and you're working on something very, very different every day and you're interacting with different stakeholders every day. So once you're in consulting, you can literally do anything. So that's how my passions for technology and consulting came together in my college. And that's why I specifically went for EY in technology consulting or Mm. digital and technology consulting.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think building on from that, technology, consulting, but consulting as a profession in general, is seen as as very attractive because it's quite broad skill-based, right? You have to understand a lot of different elements, both hard and soft skills. If you were to advise or think about people coming into the industry, what kind of skill sets do you think they should be focusing on and trying to develop in themselves to try and land a role at at somewhere like EY that's a, a prestigious firm in the consulting industry?
1: So uh, do you mean from industry to consulting or from college to consulting?
0: So from, from college, from university, you know, students just starting out wanting to, to work in consulting.
1: Absolutely. So there are a couple of skill sets. Uh, number one, like you should be, so there are soft skills as well as hard skills. Mm. So in terms of hard skills, I would say you need to know the domain. You need to actually study the domain. Like for example, if you're interested in FinTech, if you're interested in healthcare domain, Mm. So you need to know a little bit about the domain, or you need to do projects in that domain. So you show interest in that domain. Obviously you learn on the job, but it's good to show that before coming into the job. That's in terms of hard skills. Plus also it's good to know uh, Microsoft PowerPoint, Microsoft Excel, because that's like our bread and butter, Excel PowerPoint. That is something that we do on a day to day basis. Mm. Uh, Plus, if you know a little bit of coding, low code, no code, Mm. platforms like uh, Microsoft ServiceNow, or some kind of analytic software that helps like that kind of sets you apart. out. So that's like an optional thing, but it's something that will distinguish you from the, uh, from the other people that are out there. So this is in terms of hard skills, in terms of soft skills, I would say you need to be very, very open. You need to be very, very open to a lot of things because consulting. So one day you'll be doing very minuscule work. Like you'll be just doing a lot of admin work. But one day you'll be presenting to a CTO or a CEO. So yeah. you need to be very open to a lot of different things. That's something that you need to keep in mind. And there's something, believe me, that there's something that helps you in every aspect of your life. And this is probably one of my biggest takeaways from my consulting journey at EY and at PwC. And in terms of soft skills, it's good to have some good communication skills, being very concise, being very to the point. So these are skills that helps. And these are some pointers you need to keep in mind. But to be honest, you develop a lot on the job. So being open really helps.
0: No, I love that. And I think that's something that I've been wrestling with since graduating university myself is that sort of balance of being a generalist versus being a specialist. You know, it's that classic argument. And I think since starting up House Hack, my own business with with my co-founder, I've really almost become bullish on that side of generalism because I've had to, because you have so many hats on all the time. You're trying to do so many different things. And I think consulting really yeah fits into that boundary if you like add to that yeah yeah
1: you have to wear very different hats that's something that you've put on bang on so one day you're doing sales one day you're doing delivery of projects so Mm. you have to put on a lot of different hats
0: yeah for sure and so i guess within that the power and the sort of transformative power if you like of, of technology is something that is accelerating and growing, uh, you know, unprecedented rates compared to so many industries. On the ground in in tech consulting within EY, what does that look like for, for the clients that you work with? For EY as an organisation, how do you manage the the pace at which technology is changing? Because the forefront, the level of innovation is changing all the time.
1: Correct. That's a, that's a very good question, and that's something that's very valid. So the tech landscape changes every three to four years. And to tell you something contextual, uh, people are saying that COVID has caused a very big digital transformation because of remote working, because of technologies like cloud computing being adopted. So it's caused uh, these two or these seven months have caused the transformation like of 10 years or 20 years. That's the kind of impact COVID has had. And in general, I would say that the technology landscape or the kind of technologies which are coming, they change every three to four years. So you need to be very open to adopting a lot of tech. So if you look at uh, 10, 15, 20 years before, something like ERP was really, really in need, enterprise resource planning. But if you if you look at right now in India, it, ha- it has been adopted to a certain extent, but technologies like cloud computing have come up. So you need to be really open to adopting a lot of new tech. That's something that's really essential in terms of adopting new tech. And I think clients also look at you for that perspective because you're domain knowledge experts. So you need to be keep adopting to new tech. And Mm. that's something that comes in really helpful. And you need to be ahead of the curve. You also need to know what is coming in, in the coming stages. So for example, cloud computing is uh, something that's, uh, you could say at a nascent, it's it's at a established stage, but AI is something that's developing, it's at a nascent stage. So you need to know what are the use cases around AI and ML.
0: No, I can see that. And I guess on an individual level that brings up ideas around things like the skills gap of as a, as an individual looking up into the world of work, but also um, within education and other sectors and, and settings. Aren't we going to get left behind as well? If we don't ourselves keep on top of the different softwares that we need to know to function in the workplace and, whether we can do those things like coding that you mentioned, those sort of hard and soft skills because tech is so disruptive it's just changing everything so my question to you would be on on an individual level based on how quickly technology is transforming our lives, how can we keep track of all these things that we almost should be doing quote unquote um, as as individuals looking up to to try and make ourselves stand out from a work point of view but um, learn new skills and, and, and technologies as well kind of is there any any hot tips from the front line of, of how we can uh, kind of prepare ourselves for for even more change that's to come
1: okay, so uh, in terms of i would say first soft skills is something that you always need to be very very good at or you need to keep developing because at the end of uh, at the core of it if a lot of things are going to be automated, what is something that's going to keep us very different from others is our soft skills or is our h- humaneness in things. So that is something that is at the core of human beings. And I think we need to learn those elements of empathy, emotional intelligence, because these are factors that would distinguish us from other people or other people in the industry. But keep in mind that you need to be on your uni- your own unique self. You don't need to compete with others. So that's in terms of soft skills. But in terms of hard skills, yes, you need to continuously keep learning. But remember that whatever you learn today might not be relevant three to four years down the line. So you need, while you need to learn what is going on right now, like the coding things that are there, and you also need to look at what's going to happen in the future. What are elements which are going to become really hot in the coming years? So one is look at what, look at learning what is relevant right now. Second, look at what is going to come in the coming future as well and be open to adopting new things that's the attitude that's going to take you very long in your career so these are elements which would really help you a lot
0: yeah so there's that element of, of trying to have your own crystal ball in a sense and, and, and look ahead into four or five years time so based on that what what would you say are the key technologies that, that you're saying maybe it's the internet of things maybe it's other things what What's going to disrupt us the way that COVID has maybe in, in four or five years time. Exactly. First of all, I wanted to reassure here something. Don't get worried about coding.
1: Even I was really worried about coding, to be honest, but mm. there are platforms which are coming, which are low code, no code. Mm. It, by that, I mean, you literally need to drag and drop and you made an application or yeah. you made a web application. So it's that easy. So don't get worried about coding. Explore a lot and explore these low-code, no-code platforms because this is something that everyone can do. So get over that fear because I went through that fear to be honest. And coming back to your question about the kind of technologies which would be needed. So I think it would uh, vary from country to country to be honest because Mm -hmm. some countries are are at an advanced stage while some countries are not at an advanced stage of adoption of tech. So if you look at India specifically, I would say right now we, definitely need a lot of cloud computing experts because a lot of we're we're working from home and a lot of companies have employees working from home. So they need their workloads on cloud. So that's why that need for cloud has suddenly come or for that. And if you look at one key element right now, another key element, which would be common across all economies, it would be around work from home toolkits or work from home tech, tech, like Mm. the platform we are using right now, like zoom, there's something called Microsoft Teams, Slack. So any, com- any communication collaboration platforms would be something that would be required right now. So any kind of skill sets around that would be really required. And to give you my personal example, so I do a lot of client workshops around Microsoft Teams because Microsoft Teams, the usage has gone up a lot in the last couple of months. And that's true for all of these communication and collaboration platforms. And we've seen business, a lot of business coming from that area. So that's why this is something that would be needed across all economies. And- if you look at uh, from a futuristic lens i think technologies like artificial intelligence machine learning devops these are tools that would play an essential role and how can you use these in integration with other technologies like iot is not something that would work in standalone it has to be integrated with artificial right. intelligence yeah. because iot would collect data and you need to apply a lot of models to analyze those data so i think mm. the synergies of those tech is something that's really essential that's needed now and in the coming future like cloud is also it's hosting your data, but you need to apply analytics. You need to apply some algorithms there. So the synergies of these technologies, something that you need to look at. And after that, once you know the tech, you also need to know, you need to have a business lens to it as well. So that's something that's very important, especially if you're looking at a career in consulting, always having that business lens helps a lot because ultimately you're selling to a CTO or a CIO and you or a CEO for that matter or a board for that matter. And some of them might not be that... Uh, convinced with that tech job, but if you project it in terms of business KPIs, like I'm going to increase your revenue by this, I'm going to decrease your cost by this much. So that business lens really helps a lot. That's something that I've looked, uh, that I've experienced from my own uh, engagements with customers.
0: Nice. Yeah. And my
1: seniors engagement with customers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's definitely mirrored in my own experience of having to almost be a translator personally with whether it's a, a tech guy or, or a coder or a designer or somebody with a very specific skill set. Like you say, taking something that's more technological communicating it in a sense of maybe a business sales proposition, you can be describing exactly the same thing, but having the ability to switch your language in such a way, I think it's very, very valuable. Um, so yeah. and And I think, what you mentioned there sounds really insightful about the the different combinations and synergies of these different disruptive technologies. And I think like you say, with the coding in the sense of if there's a market to make something simple and easy and save somebody time, like learning different coding languages, people would do it. So yeah, I think it's always easy to just say tech's going to take all your jobs and automation's going to disrupt the world and um, all of these things. But, which I think is true, but at the same time, it's always more complicated than those sort of simple statements and it will create so much more opportunities and it is every day. And I think you've highlighted that. So maybe moving on from the technology, um, before we, we talk about your digital wellbeing, uh, workshop and, and journey and, and other things, I'm going to pause and, and talk about the, the word association game in just a second. So, um, we've got five words for you and we're just going to get your immediate response and and, and pick up on a couple of them. So the first one I've got for you is health. Family. Ambition. Job. Optimism. Life. Hustle. Consulting. Nice. All right, cool. Thank you. So that was just five kind of quick words. And, and I think there's there's some good themes there. So maybe starting off with ambition and job, maybe the, the perception of the big four, the, the consulting, you know, is that it's a cutthroat corporate environment and associating ambition with job. Is, is that something that, you know, you're, you're buying into as well? How does that come in with, with your own um, career ambitions, I suppose?
1: That's a very valid thing. That's the first thing that came into my mind because <laughs> yeah, that's okay. how our external environment works. But, mm. uh, to be honest, I am not that ambitious. I'm ambitious, but I do a lot of things on my side as well. Mm. Uh, so that's what I feel. It's important that you are motivated by a job that you give in energy to your job, but you shouldn't lose yourself, lose that balance of spending time with family, uh, doing your hobbies or doing things or doing rest or taking care of of your health. Yeah. So I think having that balance is really important. And to be honest, I also struggle with it. Like the first thing that came into my mind was also, um, <laughs> yeah. when you said ambition was job, because I also struggle with it sometimes to be honest, but mm. it's important to keep that balance. So I also, uh, I, I also try exploring that balance. Sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not that mm-hmm.
0: successful. Yeah. And no, I like that perspective. And I think you, you should be ambitious with your job and career. You, you know, you, it's sometimes a, a bit of a dirty word almost in that it's, it's all about the grind and all about the hustle and all about that. But at the same time, we probably spend 60, 70, 80, even, I don't know, random statistics, just like making it up, happens. but a lot of our, of our, of our lives working. And so I think within that, we want at what cost. Yeah, exactly. We want to be able to contribute something that, that is meaningful and that is progressive in that sense. And so I don't think ambition within job is, Is a bad thing, but maybe linking to that, um, you mentioned life and and optimism. I think you're you're clearly a positive person, but what is the the link between optimism and and life and sort of having that positive mindset for you?
1: So I think having a very optimistic my uh, optimistic approach to life really helps a lot because there are situations where you need to be optimistic. Like life would take you through a roller coaster ride. And things would not turn the way you want it to. Mm. So you need to be very optimistic when the, the going is very low. That's something that I think really helps a lot. And personally, whenever there are tough situations, I always smile at situations. And these are things that my mentors have said. Like my mentor said that he has this uncanny habit of always smiling. So I think taking those situations with an optimistic mind with a smiling attitude really helps a lot. Being very strong even if you're not doing it internally, if you're doing it externally, it kind of goes internally as well. That smile goes internally as well. So I think having an optimistic approach to life really helps you a
0: lot. Yeah, and I think the, the two cents I'd add to and that the, is...
1: Yeah, sorry, sorry it, it, to interrupt you. I was yeah. saying that balance between optimism and realism is also important.
0: That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. That kind of two cents that I was gonna, gonna add is that yeah. realistic optimism like optimism is sometimes confused with kind of relentless positivity, regardless of the situation and regardless of reality and hardship and all of these things. but I think really it's about looking on the the brighter side wherever you can and acknowledging that life is a, a massive roller coaster and and you will have ups and downs, but always to have that sense of optimism that there will be those higher times again and not to despair that there will be lower times in the future to come or or similarly uh difficult times because that is the the kind of roller coaster that that we're on um
1: and to add to that point yeah whenever you're you're at those highs and lows you always need to be grateful as well that'll keep you Mm. grounded you need to be very grateful for what you have like for Mm. example we're, we're very good physically and mentally we have books with us we have a job with us, we are financially well off. So I think looking at things from a gratitude perspective really helps you a lot during these times.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a lot of psychological kind of research in that area that, that shows gratitude can um, increase the the positivity of your mindset and all of these things. But even as far as sort of prolonged life at the end, because it neurologically it's um, it's very very beneficial and one tool that i think we've mentioned a lot on on the podcast and in general is is this idea of gratitude journaling so often done in the morning i think generally it doesn't matter too much but uh, mentioning things that you're grateful for from the previous day like three things and and similarly for the day ahead And, and, and i think that's not something i've sat down and tried for a prolonged period but i've always sort of meant to because i think it is supposed to be very very useful and and i think it ties up nicely the one of the other words, the, the health and family link, I think, even within the pandemic environment that we have right now, being grateful for the health that you do have, the health of the family around you that you do have. And, and like you say, having that perspective of gratitude, I think can be very, very grounding and, and, and beneficial in, in times of crisis.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I really love this rapid question, though.
0: <laughs> nice yeah so kind of moving out of the the word association stuff um just to touch on your your own digital well-being journey you know you mentioned your passion uh, passion project really around giving digital workshops and, and offering mentorship um around basically digital well-being right and and how to to manage that um just touch a bit on your personal journey within that why it links to tech and how, how you're so passionate about that.
1: Absolutely. So uh, let me take you back three to four years. So in 2017 I was in college and I was coordinators or I was head of a lot of departments doing a lot of managerial work, organizing festivals, organizing events, etc. So during that time, I got really addicted to my technology or my social media platforms, like WhatsApp, Facebook, I hope you've heard of WhatsApp as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Perfect. So I got addicted to WhatsApp and Facebook. So let me divide my journey into three phases. Phase one is wherein I was addicted to social media. Second phase wherein I went cold turkey. I left social media for seven months. Phase three is my current phase wherein I have a healthy relationship with tech and I'm keeping on exploring and, how, and getting better at it, you could say. So, coming to phase one, as I told you, I was coordinator for a lot of departments and I was completely addicted to social media. So, to give you a couple of examples to help you familiarize with it, so I used to check my phone first thing in the morning, I used to check my phone last thing in the night. And even when I used to get up in the night, I used to check my WhatsApp. And while talking to people, I used to check my WhatsApp. And <laughs> I'm sure you can empathize. And I'm sure all of you listening out here could empathize
0: with this. Mm. So, to just no, definitely I don't I mean, you're kind of describing my current behavior. So, I'm a little bit. On edge, but uh, no. Carry on. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And just to add one last point.
1: So I used to also check my Facebook. I used to lot of, post a lot of photos and look for validation. Look for likes a lot. So hmm. this is something that I call LTC, Location, Time, Content. So the idea is that I used to check my social media at the wrong locations. I used to check my social media in the bathroom. I used to check my social media while talking to people. So that that affected my in-person quality relationship a lot. In terms of time. I used to check it at the last, I used to check it at the wrong times, checking last thing in the night or the first thing in the morning, or I used to spend a lot of time on social media and so third is content or C. So I, I used to check Facebook or social media to deteriorate my life. I wasn't using this tool to grow myself. I was using these tools to deteriorate my life. So this is what I call LTC location time content. I wasn't very cognizant about this parameter of location time content. So this was my phase one. Wherein I was addicted to social media, then I knew I had to do something because I am I, a self-help uh, person who loves to grow, who loves to learn. Mm-hmm. So I went cold turkey. I left social media for seven months wow. yeah. and this phase was extremely good for me. I, I lost a lot of weight. It had a very great impact. This phase had a really great impact in my physical and mental health and academics. My grades shot up by 10 to 15%. Because ultimately, I was in classes and I was focusing on classes. I wasn't checking my social media then. Or when I was studying, I was more productive because I was focused on one task at a time. And in terms of physical health, I started, since I had a lot of time, I had a lot of spare time because I didn't have social media then. Mm. Uh, so I did a lot of exercise. I did a lot of mindful eating. And that helped me lose a lot of weight. I lost around 15-17 kilos during that time. Uh, yeah. And in terms of mental health, uh, I wasn't comparing myself to other people or to other people's version of themselves. My nice. only goal was to improve myself and to enable other people to improve themselves. So I wasn't looking at other people's profile. I was only looking at myself and becoming a better version. So, so that is how my life transformed. And to be honest, I had a lot of challenges, which I'll talk about,
0: uh, in, in the coming later on. Yeah, for sure. No, th- thank you for that. And I think the, the thing that stands out to me is how similar, your description of that addiction phase is to, to my, and I know hundreds and thousands, you know, probably millions of people. Like that's, that's my life. Like I, I get up and I check my phone, my social, um, and often in the evening as well, like pretty much every single day just before I go to bed, I'll sit on my phone for half an hour, 40 minutes standard. Like that's, that's how it, my, my habit. Right. Um, and I guess, it's something that you may not see as a, as an addiction in that sense. I, I certainly wouldn't describe it as that. I think I have enough self-control to put my phone down when I don't want to, to go to bed without looking at it if I don't want to. But it's also that kind of urge is still there. It's just going, yeah, you know, why not? It's, it's a nice sort of feeling of your brain just to wind down for the evening, but actually it's probably not the healthiest thing for things like sleep and um, all of that. And we've spoken quite recently about, uh, the documentary, the social dilemma. I'm not sure if you've you've seen or, or heard that uh, the, the Netflix show. If you haven't seen the episode um, for the, for the listeners that we did with the, the Gen Z Journey guys, go go and check that out. Um, but yeah, like fascinating documentary, um, and I think again sort of shines the light on that relationship that we have with social media, particularly, but generally just technology and how almost invasive it is, but not not in a in a manipulative way you know it slots so so smoothly into our lives and and particularly through through our phones it's so easy to to almost get lost in that kind of rabbit hole of social and so i think the the one question i would ask you before we wrap up is um that addiction phase clearly was something that that affected your health affected your your mental health and it was very challenging how did you find the withdrawal and and the the discipline side through that seven month period like I tried a two month kind of detox uh two month two weeks or detox while I was on holiday and um you know I I played that very similarly and was saying oh it was so beneficial blah 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 and then straight after I was back to my normal ways so how did you go from from that addiction phase to creating such a prolonged period of time to go through that reset you know seven months is, is what i want to kind of focus on here it's such a long time so yeah how was that transition for you i suppose okay.
1: so to be honest first i also struggled a lot like i had a lot of peer pressure mm. uh, and i did install whatsapp back after one week because I was having a lot of FOMO that I'm missing out on something. I'm missing out on some gossip. I'm Mm. missing out on some important news. So I did install WhatsApp back after a week and I faced a lot of other challenges as well, but what kept me motivated was my why, because ultimately I knew I was a person who has been completely absorbed by tech or who's been distracted by tech. So I wanted to know what was there on the other side of the table, wherein what was life beyond tech. So I'm not saying tech is bad, but the way I was using tech was bad because my life was only revolving around tech and mm-hmm. I wanted to know what was life beyond tech. So my why was to transform my life mentally, physically, and in terms of health. So that's that the why was, was something that kept me motivated. And when I saw the results, the results didn't come in a week. It took a couple of months yeah. and I could see the result. I had a lot of time. Instantly also I got some benefits. Like there was a lot of time in life and I was able to connect more with people. So when I saw the results, and in terms of short term results, as well as long term results, that was something that was keeping me motivated a lot. Mm, I I think looking at benefits and looking at your why of doing it is something that keeps you uh, very, very motivated. And uh, to be honest, you also can look at habit forming uh, strategies as well, which would help you
0: a Mm. lot. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think the difficulty for me thinking about that is not so much of that FOMO in the validation side. I think I've I've unlearned a lot of patterns there. I think it's more of the um, the side of the 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 more practical or the more work related side, perhaps. So, like, if you said to me, "Okay, you don't you can't go on your laptop, your phone, um, PS4," you know, kind of key tech in my life, like my phone, um, I, don't, I don't know what I do, and particularly with the lockdown things, it, it adds like right now it adds another layer to that. Um, but certainly. For me, on, on an Apple device, there's the iOS kind of screen time, screen time widget. Just seeing that kind of six, seven hours or whatever I get up to each day, just on that device, like it is very stark. And yeah, I think the the summary of, of both your personal journey and of the general message here is that tech in general, we have to try and have a relationship with it whereby it is a tool. and And there isn't that, Um, control that um, is controlling us I suppose it's that kind of assumption of of having personal power right so yeah I I think that's really really powerful and and I'm excited for your your workshop so if you're listening kind of tune into the next episode where Rajil is going to go through a condensed version of his well-being workshop his digital well-being workshop So, so tune in for that but I'm going to wrap us up on on the interview now and And just think about the question from, from Cam, from our last uh, episode, and and then think about what your question might be for our next guest as well. So the question from Cam is, is what is your biggest accomplishment?
1: In terms of professionally or personally or anything?
0: And take it however way you like. Yeah. Just what is your biggest accomplishment as you see it?
1: I would say it's about digital well-being only because the mm. kind of impact I've made is something that's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Like
1: in terms of the number of workshops I've done, in terms of the advocacy that I've done, I feel our generation needs to, needs to take power of what's going wrong in terms of climate change. And I think digital well-being is also one of those parameters. So I think around digital well-being, I think I've definitely made a lot of impact. And I'm going to, I feel I really want to make an impact, even more
0: impact in the coming future. Fantastic. Yeah. And so the question that's on your mind then, like what, what are you thinking about? What can our next guest answer for you? We don't know who they're going to be yet, but what's on your mind?
1: So the question I have in mind is what advice would you want to give your younger self? Like, let's say if you're 20, 30, what would you, what advice would you want to give your 10 year self, 20 year self, just your 10 year or 20 year younger version? I think that's something that it's really good in their really
0: yeah nice awesome no i'll we'll make sure that we we are we ask them that so thank you so much for for joining us for for this episode for the uh interview and really really enjoyed it so thank you so much for for jumping on and look forward to to your next episode which is going to be your your workshop so see you there well that's it for another episode of the two percent podcast thanks so much for tuning in We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you, so please get in touch. And if you have a question you want answering, send it in to us using Anchor Voice Messages, and you can feature in a future episode. All the links are in the description. Stay motivated, follow your dreams, and as always, do it with a smile.